And I want to just begin by thanking the Lord like Ethan because we have so many wonderful fathers and men of God that aren't fathers that set such great examples for younger people in this church. And I don't just say that lightly. I thank the Lord for it, for you. And I thank the Lord for our fathers that we have. I want you to open with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's read verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may, well, may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. When I read the Bible, when I come to know the Lord and see just from Genesis to Revelation, everything that the Lord has spoken about Himself and of man, I see the great honor that God gives the fathers in the Word of God, in His kingdom, in His uh, part, of, in His family. He, he gives a great honor to fathers. And I also think of the great need for godly fathers in our day and in every day uh, to raise our children to know Jesus Christ, to pour the love of Jesus Christ into our child or our children that the Lord has given us. We should never forget that God gave us the children that we have. God gave them to us. He gave them to us. He didn't give them to someone else. He gave our children to us. And we are to represent Christ to them. It is an honor. It is a privilege meant, uh, for mothers and fathers. And, uh, and the word father in the, in the Bible, first time it's used in the Bible, and we see it through the Bible, is, uh, I'm praying I'm pronouncing it right, Abi in the Hebrew, Abba in the Aramaic, and it's spelled A-W-B. And I think it's interesting that that is the first word in the Hebrew language. It's the first word when you, you know, if you were to turn in the dictionary and look up, you know, the first word, A, whatever. And, and uh, Father is the first word, word in the Hebrew language. And it means patrimony, it means, it means principle, it means chief. And Jesus used that word Abba, you know, Abba, Father. He used it himself of his heavenly father in the garden the night before he was going to be arrested and crucified the next day for the sins of the world. He's praying in the garden. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. And I'm paraphrasing. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy, thy will. And he's calling out to his father. And we have the same privilege. And Ethan mentioned this as well, that that you, before you tune out and say, okay, this is a Father's Day's message. I'm not a father. I'm not even a man. I'm not even a, hoping to be a father. Uh, we have a heavenly father. And we need to see that relationship and what a good father we have. Galatians 4, 6, and 7. I'll just read this. And because ye are sons, Paul says to the, the Christians, the believers, because you are sons and daughters, God had sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's the word, Father. Same one that Jesus used in the garden. In our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through, of God through Christ. And so it's not stretching it. It's not pushing it. It's not getting weird and all soft and touchy and feely to call God our Father. 
and to understand what kind of a father he is and how he's made us his sons and daughters through the gift of his son, like Ethan read from John 3.16, dying on the cross for the sins of the world. The key to me in what we read in Ephesians, and if you're still looking at that passage in chapter 6, is in verse 1 and in verse 4, where he says, children, obey your parents how? In the Lord. In the Lord. Then he says later in verse 4, uh, fathers, at the end of that passage, bring up your your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's all hedged in and bounded in by the Lord. It's not just however you want. It's a child's not to just, to just indiscriminately obey their parents if the parent wants them to go rob a bank or go hold up a gas station or do something that would be sinful or illegal or immoral. And neither are parents to... Uh, to raise their children any way they want. Children obey your parents in the Lord. And it says here that fathers are to not provoke their children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of what? Of your own choosing. That's not what it says. Of, the, of your heritage, of the way your family was raised. That's not what it says. Bring up your children in the fear, in the, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And, and the key is the Lord. And, and the, God is specifically addressing fathers, Christian fathers, in this passage that we read. As I said, it's a, there's a great honor in God's kingdom to given to fathers in the Word of God that we see. But the, it's not just indiscriminately, randomly thrown out. Honor from God is not just, just thrown out. And the love of God, He loves us all. The mercy of God, the grace of God, we're all recipients of it, whether we've benefited by putting our faith in Jesus or not, it's up to our faith and our trust in the Lord. But honor from the Lord is not something that's just randomly thrown out. And order for us, and I'll speak as one, so I might say us a lot of times today, speaking about Christian fathers, okay? In order for us to be honored by the Lord, we must be humble, holy, sincere followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this sounds like no-brainers. It sounds like well, we know that. We need to know that. We need to hear it. We need for it to sink in. If God's going to honor me, and I believe He does bestow honor on fathers, then, then it has to be as I humbly seek the Lord and know the Lord and walk the Lord and seek to raise my children the way His Word says that I should raise my children. Uh, this honor, as I said, it's not just blindly thrown out. Uh, whoever happens to biologically have a child and is a male. That's not what the Word of God says. Jesus said, if any man serve me, him will my Father honor. Isn't that a wonderful Scripture? If. You know why is the if there? Because we don't have to serve God. People don't serve God. They make choices to not serve God. And some, praise God, have, our eyes have been opened like ours and we choose to serve God. Every man doesn't serve the Lord. Every man is not compelled to serve the Lord. Every man is, and is drawn and wooed by the Spirit and by the, the reality of God that's displayed in nature and through the Word of God and through the Gospel. He is drawing men unto Himself. But He says, if any man serve Me, Jesus said that, him will My Father honor. So remember that, fathers. We're, we're speaking to fathers today. I'm speaking to myself. If we want the honor that comes from the Lord, we need, to, we need to wholeheartedly seek and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who God's going to honor. And so our example, and it's wonderful that we're given this example in the Bible. What we're going to look at today primarily for this message for Father's Day is our example in the Bible of 
the Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We're going to look at that example because that is given to us as our pattern, as a pattern for a relationship. What is the relationship supposed to be between a father and son? Well, we're not just blindly wondering what that should be. We have an example, the best example that ever could be given, the Eternal Father and the Eternal Son. And He's always been the Father and He's always been the Son. And He'll always be the Father and always be the Son in, in the forever and eternity ahead. But we're given this example. Jesus said this. Some of these scriptures I'll just read. But He said, As the Father hath loved Me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in My love. If ye keep My commandments, ye shall abide in My love, even as I have kept My Father's commandments, and abide in His love. And so we see this relationship between the Father and the Son is one of love. And God has given us this as an example and as a pattern. And so we don't have to. And, and you know, it's like a lot of things in life. When somebody's about to get married, you know, I've counseled men, say young men and women, before they get married. And there, a guy might say, man, Pastor Randy, I, I really don't know. I mean, I love her. I don't know how to be a husband, a good husband. And it's a little scary when you're before because it's all going to be new. You might have dated for years, but being married is different, you know. And so it's different. But we don't have to wonder what that's going to be like. God will lead us. God will show us. God will teach us. And it's the same for being a father. Somebody's about to, to have a, they and their wife are about to have a child. And a man or a woman may say, I don't, I've never done this before. I don't know how to be a parent. Well, God knows how to be a parent. He knows he will teach you. He will instruct you by his word, by his spirit. I promise you, he's not going to leave you hanging without the answers. He's going to give them to us. And so uh, we don't invent the pattern. The pattern is given us. We're living in a day and age where it's like it was in the book of Judges. Every man does what's right in his own eyes. I've never seen anything like it. It's just like the Bible says. I, we have Cox TV at home. And, and I'm not asking for a show of hands of who has Cox. Um, I wouldn't plan on saying this, but on Cox TV, if you if you pause it or something and or let it sit for a while, it goes to a screen, but it doesn't go to a blank screen. It goes to little uh, trivia and little tidbits of information. And every one of them is like uh, Gay Pride Week, you know, born this way. And this is what's in doc it, it doesn't even it's almost like it doesn't even face people anymore. It's like somewhere along the line, society chose sides, and they're all in over here. And there's no debate about it. It's not like we won't discuss that. We'll just do something neutral, basically morally neutral on TV or in business or at ball games or billboards or whatever. They've chosen a side, and they're they're there, and. And here we are, and, and people are doing what's right in their own sight. People are raising children. If two men want to adopt, they can raise a child. Uh, they can adopt a child. If two women want to adopt a child, they can do that. This is not the pattern that's given to us in Scripture. I'm not up here on a soapbox just preaching against something like that. I'm simply saying this is where we are. But that there's a great need for men of God and godly fathers. That hasn't gone away. Uh, there is the need. And we find our pattern in the Word of God. And we find our pattern from the relationship between the Father, Eternal Father, and His Son. 
And the Holy Ghost, by the Word of God, will instruct us how to raise our children. Men and women, mothers and fathers, and grandparents. But the message today is for fathers. But the Holy Ghost, by the Word of God, will show us. And it will be like the relationship of the Father and the Son. It won't be uh, something just totally at odds with that. Something totally of our own invention and creation. And the Bible says in Hebrews 8, 5, when the Lord was speaking to Moses on the mountain, He says, Moses, see that thou makest all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. So there's a pattern. There's a pattern given for the tabernacle and for all the instruments of worship and the sacrifices and the altars in the Old Testament. And, and it was to be that pattern. It was like a blueprint that was given to Moses that it was shown to him. It was to be followed to the letter, to the T. Because anytime man gets in it, he's going to pervert it somehow. I think a different color for the tabernacle. I think something better. I think it should be a little wider right here. Uh, anytime man puts his hands on something that's spiritual and of God, we're going to pollute it. We're going to pervert it. Make it like a pattern that was showed to you, Moses, in the mountain by Almighty God, because this is representing my son. Make it like I'm telling you. And we're given a pattern for fatherhood. And we don't just do it like we want to do it. We don't, we're not perfect, but we're given the pattern, and the pattern is perfect. That, you know what that word pattern means? It means a, it's a, long, a lot of definitions. Just get the picture in your mind. Make it after the pattern. It means a stamp. So you ever had a rubber stamp? You stamp everything exactly the same? Okay, stamp. The dye, like the color dye. Uh, shape, resemblance, model, form, manner. You have a form that's been given. We have a model that's been given. Now, I know that there are limits to any pattern, okay? There are limits to any pattern. And, and especially when we're comparing men to God. So I'll just say that. You would say, oh, we're, we're to raise our children like God the Father in that relationship. Well, He's perfect and sinless, and I'm not. And neither are my children. He's from everlasting to everlasting. I'm not. I'm a created being in His image and I'll live forever. But I'm not from eternity past, from everlasting to everlasting. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. I can't perfectly say that about uh, any child that God has given me. That we're close and we're supposed to be close. So there are limits, but the pattern is still the pattern. You understand what I'm saying? The pattern that's given is still what we're to engage in and to follow in and to follow after. And so... Uh, we are not perfect like He is sinless and perfect, God the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, but we are partakers of His divine nature if we're born again. Isn't that what the Bible says? So I can follow after this pattern. I'm a partaker of His divine nature. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can properly raise my child, whether when they come to that age that they uh, become wholehearted followers of Christ, that's up to them and their faith. They still have a free will. But I'm to train them up in the way that they should go. And we looked at that word a month or so ago, and it means to hedge in. It's like you hedge them in in the way that they should go. From the time they're in the womb. I remember playing uh, music, you know, when Dee was pregnant and, and with our boys at different times and, and listening to Christian music and praying over them. And then when they're born, they can't understand anything at that age. Nothing. They're just little infants. And yet we're listening to Christian music and they're hearing mom and dad pray and praying over them. And they just grow up and when they do start understanding, that's what they start understanding. And that's what they're used to. And, and 
and it becomes a part of their lives. It's hedging them in. So the pattern is the pattern. I'm not perfect like the Lord, but He's perfect. Amen. And I'll read this Scripture. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So it does tell me that God, the Good Shepherd, the Christ, can work that in us. Perfect here meaning completion. Okay? Or maturity. To make us the fathers, the mothers, the parents that He's called us to be. So I'm going to look real quickly at the example. We're saying if the Father and Son uh, and their relationship is our example or our pattern, which I believe it is, let's look at the pattern. What do we see in the Scriptures? And I want you to start with me by reading uh, John 15 verses 9 and 10. I read it a moment ago, but I'm going to read verse 9 right now. And the first thing that I see, y'all, in this pattern, what's the relationship of the Father and Son like? The first thing that sticks out to me, these are not in the order, but I put this one in order because it's the first thing I see, and it's a love. There's love between the Father and the Son. And you can't, you'd have to throw out the Bible to not see that, especially when the incarnation of Christ and, and their relationship, Him on the earth. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love, He says. So the first thing I notice in this relationship is it is a relationship of love. If you're still there in John, look at chapter 17. Verses 23 and 24. John 17, 23 and 24. Now this is at the Last Supper. The Lord's going to die for the sins of the world the next day. He's with His disciples. He says He's praying to His Father in the hearing and in the presence of His disciples. And He is saying, I and them, speaking of His disciples, thou and me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world would know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. This is our example. The world would know that, Lord, you love them like you have loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Jesus is saying this of his Father. So it's not just this big, massive, omnipotent Godhead that's unfeeling. We, we see the first thing that sticks out to me in the relationship between the Father and Jesus, His Son, is love. You've loved me before the foundation of the world. We see it in their relationship. And I would say, fathers, straight and simply, we need to love our children. And we need to love our children in the pattern that we're given from, by the love of the Lord. Amen? The love of the Lord. Uh, the Bible says, and you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Peter 2, For even here to, unto were you called, because Christ also suff suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow in His steps. Christ is our example. And He is more than example. He's the Lord, the King of Kings, He's a Savior, He's our Healer, He's all of those things. But He is also our example. And men, He's our example uh, when it comes to relationship, a father and son, the relationship that he had with his father. Fathers, we have to love our children and we have to love them with the love of the Lord. They need to be our children from the time that they are conceived and the time that they are born. 
They need to be shown the love of the Lord. They need to be shown the love of the Lord through your life. They need to be recipients of the love of God. And they need to be recipients of the love of God through your life. And it needs to be consistent. It needs to be even when they're rebellious. How many know sometimes children are rebellious? It needs to be even when they're disobedient. Even when they did not do what you told them to do. You need to love them. And they need to be consistently the recipients of God's love through your life. God's love. Not a worldly love. Not a sentimental love. The love of Christ through your life by the Holy Spirit. That needs to be consistent even when they're behaving. Maybe for a prolonged period of time even very unlovable. That needs to be consistent, Father, through your life and through my life. They need to see it. And so, it does not mean that if they're rebellious or disobedient that we condone that. We certainly do not. It does not mean that we excuse their sin or their disobedience, that we ignore it. But we must continue to show consistently, consistently, consistently. This would be mothers and fathers, but it's a Father's Day message. They must consistently be shown the love of God through your life and my life. So Jesus goes on to say in John 15.10, If you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, speaking of men to disciples, ye shall abide in my love. So fathers, you're saying, and, and Christians were saying, how do I consistently love with the love of the Lord? If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. I wanted to read that just by seeing that there's a consistency to it. And there can be a consistency. It's so easy to love anyone when they love you back. It's so easy to respect people when they respect you back. It's so easy to love people and be nice and want to give to people and pat them on the back and hug them and pick them up and kiss them and do all these things when it's nothing but that, that same love being reciprocated to you. But fathers, we're giving children for a reason they don't know. That's why we're teaching them. So there are going to be times of disobedience. There are going to be times of ignorance. There are going to be times of willful uh, rebellion. And we're supposed to be the ones that are consistent. I don't get down on their level. I'm going to be the, there's got to be somebody mature in the, in the picture. There's got to be somebody that can love with the love of the Lord. They might slam the door and say, I hate you and walk out. And we have to love with the love of the Lord. That's what we're called to do. If we keep His commandments, we'll abide in His love. Jesus says, I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And so our children, y'all, it's very important that, that our children are secure in that. And I'm not a child psychologist or anything crazy like that. I'm simply saying there needs to be that knowing that on our children's parts and in their lives that dad spanked me, okay? Dad punished me. As they get older, Dad grounded me. Dad, uh, you know, told me I was wrong and rebuked me, but I know, I know that He loves me. I know that for a fact. I know He loves me. I know He loves the Lord, and I know He loves me. And I know my dad is trying to bring me up in the ways of God. Not just the way he thinks is best, I know my dad's trying to bring me up to know the Lord and to walk with the Lord. And I know he loves me, even though he just whipped the, the fire out of me. OK, and I'm in my room and can't go to the ball game or whatever because I'm grounded. We have to represent the Lord. 
And the Lord does love us. And it brings me to the next thing. Our first characteristic, when I see the pattern of the relationship between the Father and Son, is one of love. The second goes right with it, and that is discipline, which we've kind of touched on. But I want you to read this uh, in Hebrews chapter 12. Everybody turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read verses 5 through 8 and then verse 10. Hebrews 12, 5 through 8. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. So this quoted from Proverbs. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So the two go together. And God's mind and his thought for relationships, and specifically here, father-son or father-daughter relationship, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He's chastening us because he does love us. The world would think, oh, don't lay a hand on the child. Don't say a harsh word. Don't ever do anything. And they grow up and they continue in their rebellion and they, they never come to know the Lord. They never come to, to anything uh, of any kind of discipline in their life. And we're going to say, I love, I love them. They were just free to do what they wanted. A child doesn't know. They have to be taught. They have to be taught. And he says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, uh, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastening, whereof all are partakers, then are you illegitimate and not sons. Verse 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us, our earthly fathers, after their pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. So there's a reason in it. There has to be a purpose in our discipline. We're going to talk about this for a few moments. We don't just discipline our children. We discipline them after the pattern that we're given in the scriptures. We discipline after the pattern that we're given in the word of God. Now, Jesus himself was chastised. Now, he wasn't chastised for rebellion or disobedience to, the, to his father. But in a, in, a, in a unique way, he was chastened. The Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. The Bible says that the Lord chose uh, that through suffering that the captain of our salvation should be made perfect. Talking about his earthly life before he went to the cross and all the way to the cross, that Jesus' earthly life was one of discipline. He was, being, he was under the discipline of his father. And God chose that for his completion or his maturity, so to speak. He didn't suffer for any wrongdoing. We do suffer for wrongdoing, and our children suffer for wrongdoing, and we chasten them for the same. The Lord did not, but the same pattern is still given. It was still a discipline upon his life. And in our disciplining of our children has to be immersed in love. It all has to be love. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, Colossians 3.21, lest they be discouraged. There is a point where the father or mother or parent can discipline and get out of the spirit, so to speak, and get into their own will and their own flesh, their own disciplining, their own measure of discipline, and it provokes the child to anger and we can cross that line sometime and God has to convict us by His Spirit. Perfectly will show us before we do it. Amen? 
Brady, you're about to cross the line here. Stop. It's enough. You've chastened enough. You've corrected enough. You've said enough. You've spanked enough. Whatever. That's enough. And, and we need to listen. Because our children can be discouraged. And remember, it's a pattern of the Heavenly Father and the Son and His, the Lord's chastening of our lives. He chastens us, but He's doing it for our profit, that we be partakers of His holiness. Well, I say, come on with it then, Lord. Do what you have to do to make me more like Jesus. Because I've got a long way to go. And on my own, I'm not going to get there. I need your teaching, your instruction, your rebukes, your corrections, your warning before I would sin. I need it all. I need that. And He's going to do it all in love. And the discipline of our children, fathers, it must be, I'll say this, it must be appropriate. It must be godly. It must be measured. It must be with forethought to it. In other words, we don't go into discipline our children when they've done something wrong out of control. Spur the moment. It's not just a, a reaction in the heat of the moment. And the older they get, the more they can push our buttons, whether they're trying to or not. And they're more on our levels a little bit. And, and we've, we can lose it. And we're never, never, never to lose it. God the Father has never lost it with anybody. He didn't lose it with Sodom and Gomorrah. He came down to see if it was as bad as he had heard and so forth. And the, the smell of their sin had risen up to heaven. He came down to check it out. And there wasn't enough to save other than Lot and his family. And then he measured out his children. Severe as it was, it was meted out by the Lord. It was appropriate. It was measured out. It wasn't one fire and brimstone too much exactly what it was supposed to be. So there's a pattern given to us in raising our children that, that our, our disciplining of our children is so important, but it has to be bounded. There's limits to it all around. And the limit is by the Word of God and by the Holy Ghost that lives inside of you. And it's, if it's too severe, if my discipline, I can't say that I've perfected this or have never crossed the line. I'm simply telling you the pattern. If our, if our chastening of our children is too severe, if it is filled with rage, if it is filled with unkind words, uh, if it is too excessive, guess what? It will not fulfill the purposes of Christ. It went somehow from being what it was supposed to be, the parents are to, to discipline their children, and it crossed the line to being me. And in my wrath. And when it's that way, it's not going to serve the holy purposes of God, which are loving. Am I saying you never spank your child? Absolutely not. We, we, there are times we discipline and however, however severe it's supposed to be. But it's not to the point of, of crossing the line where it's in our wrath. And I'll give you a scripture. You don't have to turn there. But James says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Isn't that a good scripture? The wrath of man. So I could be even a good Christian father, but if I'm at any particular moment disciplining my child or children in my wrath, and it's not a holy anger of God. There is a holy anger of God, by the way. But if I'm, I'm in the wrath of man that is not working ultimately the purposes of God in that discipline in my child. It's just the wrath of man. And it does not work the righteousness of God. At the same time, if we're too lax in our discipline, 
I think consistency is so important. Biblically consistent. If you spank them for this and get all over, you know, correct them for this or ground them for this, and the next time they do it, you're exhausted because you worked all day and it's, you're about to pass out and you get a big day tomorrow and you don't feel like dealing with it now and you just close the door and let them get, all, get away with it, that's not serving the purpose of God either. Be consistent. If you punish them for this here and they do it again, punish them here. And you have some basis to go back. Remember yesterday, honey? Remember five minutes ago? I told you, uh, don't do this and, and so forth. And here's why. And it can hurt you. And this isn't honoring God and so forth. We have to be consistent. Don't be too lax either. That's not serving the purposes of the Lord. But if we do either of those things, too excessive or too lax, it's not going to work the purposes of the Lord. And the Lord chastens us as His children. But think about how He deals with your life. You know you've sinned since you've been saved. And you've had the chastening of the Lord in your life. I pray you have. It means you belong to Him. Amen? The conviction of the Lord. You're so ashamed like when Peter denied the Lord three times and the Lord looked at him. To me, that was His chastening right there. Just having Jesus Christ about to go to the cross. Look at Him. And He cursed and said, I don't know the man, Jesus. Three times. And Peter catches his eye. Well, that's all the chastening I think I would need. But God is he's always merciful. And when He chastens, He's always merciful. And think about this as well. He never chastens us as severely as what we deserve. If, if we'd have just sinned the first time we got old enough without Christ, we'd have just gone to hell. They let us live long enough to give our life to Jesus. And since I've been saved, if He just called me home as soon as I sinned again, after I'm a born-again believer, then I would have been called home a long time ago. He doesn't chasten us. I love what Ezra said. You don't have to turn there, but the Israelites have been 70 years in captivity because of their sin and God had foretold it for many years and sent them the prophets rising up early and warning them, like Jeremiah and others, of the captivity that was to come. They continued in their uh, stubbornness and rebellion. They went into captivity for 70 years. God said, I'll bring you out when it's over. He brought them out when it's over. They're establishing the, the city of Jerusalem, the temple, establishing the priesthood and the worship again the way it's supposed to be. They're purging of sin and intermingling and intermarriages and all kinds of stuff. And Ezra's praying this prayer. And the one thing he said in his prayer was, seeing that, seeing that our God has punished us less than our iniquities deserve. He always punishes us. He's always merciful. Even in wrath, He's merciful. You might think that's pretty severe. It's not as severe as it ought to be. God's dealt with me pretty severely. It's not as severe as it ought to be. It's not as severe as my rebellion against the Holy God deserves. He's merciful. He's still my Father. Jesus still called His Father, Father on the cross and cried out to Him. And, and He's still our Father. So we need to remember that in our dealing with our children. Two more things quickly I want to point out in our, in our pattern that's given to us between the Heavenly Father and Son. How do we raise our children? One of the things I see in that relationship between Jesus and His Father, it might sound a little strange, but there's a mutual honor. There was a mutual honor and respect and friendship. Now that will grow. Those of you that have children, 
and have had children that are grown and maybe just have little children, what you're going to learn, that aspect of your relationship with your children will change as they grow and become the man or woman that God created them to be and then saved them to be. In other words, as my children grow, there's more of a, they can begin to really, like Ethan was saying, now he can appreciate what his father did after working a 12-hour shift and then going out and being his coach at ball practice or bringing him to practice. He, he didn't notice it at the time. But as, as that relationship grew and as he grew into the man of God that God's made him to be, then there's more of that. And that's a good thing. I'm not talking about something perverted. The child isn't to be the father and the father isn't to be the child. And, uh, you know, we're not just bosom buddies when they're four years old. We're buddies. But I'm still the dad and they're still the son. You don't want to get that ever confused. But as the child grows, there's more of that mutual respect and honor in the Lord. And I just want to read these scriptures real, real quickly. Uh, where Jesus says in John 8, I can find it. I apologize, y'all. He says, But I honor my Father. And then he says a few verses later, It is my Father that honoreth me. And so he said, I honor my Father. And he says, My Father honors me. So I just wanted to, to mention that. And the last thing I want to talk about in our pattern that's given is the, is the fact that we have to be involved in our children's life. That's why I look around and I see the fathers in this church and there's no question about your involvement your involvement in your, your children's lives. But there, there has to be hands-on. It has to be a relationship where we're involved in our children's lives. And I think we can't be absentee fathers. We can't be uh, there in body only. You know, We have to be involved in the lives of our children. We have to be. And I know that our schedules can be such that that you know because of work constraints and so forth that we're not 24/7 with our children. I understand that. Two things I would say about that. Number one, be sure your your work schedule is what God would have it to be. And it's not just something you chose and now you're gone from home more than you should be and God never intended that. I'm simply saying make sure from the Lord. Number two, when you do have time and you're off work you're going to probably have to sacrifice some things you would want to do. Just like Ethan was talking about his dad, he probably wanted to go home and put his feet up and, and get some iced tea or take a nap. Okay? But he didn't. When you do have time, you need to take that time because you only have your child for a period of time. As I told the mothers a month ago, your, your children aren't going to be under your feet, so to speak, forever. They're just not going to be there forever. They're under your feet maybe now if you have little children, but they're not going to be there forever. You better take advantage of the time you have. You better. You better take advantage. It's a sober warning, but it's also a joyful thing. You'll be so glad you did. You'll be so glad that you took your time with your children and the relationship you built with your children and more importantly, the God you brought your children to know and to walk with. Amen? And so, be hands-on. We're not to be absentee. We're, we're not to be uh, 
there in body only when we are at home with our children. We're clicking the remote on the TV and our children are doing something else. And then I looked up, all of a sudden they're 15. Well, when did that happen? You know what I mean? I was watching football. I can tell you who won the national championship the last 15 years. I didn't see when they grew up and I didn't pour into their lives. And guess what? They're pretty much on their own now. You understand what I'm saying? We better take advantage of that time that we have. And, and Jesus said this, He that sent me is with me. So I say, well, where, where do we see the pattern of hands-on between Father and Son? He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always things that please, always those things that please Him. Another scripture, Jesus said, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and now is now come, that ye shall be scattered in every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. He was talking about when he was arrested in the garden, they would all flee. But you know what he said at the end of that? Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. He and the Father were one. The Father never left him. Never left him. And so, I would say that's a good example and a good pattern. You can't physically be with your children 24-7. You can't be with them as much as you can be with them. As God's given you your life and your schedule. And you need to be with them as much as you can be with them. And take that time with them. And so, uh, I read this statistic. Y'all just, I'm not really, I don't do this often. But the 2018 census, so this wasn't that long ago, three years ago. This is the census. It doesn't come from any moral or spiritual perspective at all. This is just the census in the U.S. One in four children under 18 grow up without a father in the house. All right? One in four. Approximately 19 and a half million children under the age of 18 grow up without a father in the house. And here's some of the results of that. Again, this isn't coming from a preacher. Two times, they have two times the infant mortality rate. I would not have thought that. But someone growing up in a home without a father, a child, has two times the infant mortality rate. There are four times greater risk of poverty. The children that grow up in that without a father in the home. Seven times, this would be for girls of course, the girls who grow up without a father, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. Two times more likely to drop out of school. A higher risk of drug abuse, a higher risk of alcohol abuse, a higher risk of obesity, a higher risk to commit a crime, a higher risk to be in prison. This is just something, I just cut it short. It was a big long list of things. And that's just in a worldly sense, so to speak. But God knows what he's talking about. I didn't touch on the spiritual, but all of that in a sense is spiritual. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy us. He's after families, he's after fathers, he's after Christian marriages, and he's after the children that are conceived in that relationship. And he, his plan is for the father to be hands-on. Jesus said, my father is with me. He's never left me alone. And so, bringing this uh, to a close... I want to say this, that y'all fathers, I'm going to speak directly to our fathers. We're to be with our children, not just every now and then, not just at the things that we like to do. I like to fish. I had two boys. So it's easy for me to say, hey, Pete, let's go fishing. Or I like ball. If, maybe it wasn't that great at playing it, but uh, 
being around it and being with them, playing ball and watching it. We could do this. Go to a game. Let's travel up to St. Louis and see the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, go up there. We we like to do stuff like that. But I also need to have time with my children, not just doing stuff that I like to do. I need to help them with homework. I need to teach them how to change the oil in a lawnmower or something like that. I need to to find out what what things they are afraid of. You know, understand what are they? What are what's going on in their hearts and minds? What's going on in their lives? I want to know what they're hopeful for and, and looking forward to and joyful, joyfully looking into. I need to get to know my child more than just here's how you throw a baseball. Here's the kind of baits you use bass fishing in this kind of water. I want to teach them that too, and I love doing that. But. And I would say most importantly, and, and this is the head of the whole thing, the point of the whole thing, most importantly, bringing our children up in the Lord. They need to see Dad in the family altar. Okay? Now we have people of all kinds of backgrounds and some from homes that are, are broken up and so forth. I'm still just I'm giving the pattern. Okay? I'm giving you what God has given to us in His Word. Dad, you need to be in the family altar with your children from the time they're old enough to understand even what's going on. Dad needs to be leading them in the family altar. So often we'll give over a lot of our responsibilities to women. We shouldn't do that. I'm thankful for godly women. I'm thankful if the man doesn't do it, that the woman does. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying women don't do it. I'm saying men, take the lead. We, we, we got to a point in, in society where men let the women raise the children. They let the grandparents raise the children. Even Christians, we let the Christian teachers and the Christian schools raise our children. We let teachers raise our kids. We let youth ministers raise our kids. We let pastors and, and, and Sunday school teachers raise our kids. That's your kid. That's your child. You raise them. And that, those others will help. They'll be around to help. If you didn't have any of them, guess what? You'd still be okay. You bring them up in the Lord. You bring them up like they're supposed to be. Fathers, let your children see you in the altar, not the wife begging you to come. You head it up. It could be eight minutes. I'll say it all the time. It's probably not going to be an hour and a half every night. Schedules don't allow it. But it can be ten minutes. I'm like, maybe it is an hour and a half. And if it is, praise God. But something's heating in the oven. We just we got this ten minutes. Grab it. We're gonna read through the Gospel of John a little bit every night. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And we start the Bible, and we we pray, and we take that time to do that. Let your children see that in the house, and then let your children see you leading them in church, to church, and then being a worshiper of God in church. Hands raised up. Voices raised up, singing to the Lord, worshiping God at these altars. I'll say it. Our children need to see those hot tears streaming down our face and our passion for God. And I don't think we display it enough. I'm not asking for a show. I'm not asking for an emotional put on. But our children need to see those tears of joy or gratitude or thanksgiving or repentance. They need to see it. I can promise that I'll speak to more than a thousand sermons you could ever give them. Hot tears of joy steaming down your face at what God's done. Oh God, thank you for your mercy. 
Thank you for forgiving me. And your children see that. And they see you loving the people of God and the house of God and then the Word of God. And hey, we're not going to be late to church. We're going to be on time. I don't want to miss this. They're going to see that. And that will speak to them more than a thousand sermons or Bible studies you could ever give them. Because you know what they'll learn? They'll grow up knowing Dad wasn't perfect. Dad wasn't perfect. I know my children would, could say that about me. But I do know this, that I knew he, I know he loved the Lord. And I know he loved the Lord with all of his heart. And know he wanted me and wants me to love the Lord. They need to see us, y'all. They need to see us on our knees before the Lord. And we need to be on our knees before the Lord so that God can mold us and make us into that. Amen. And we, we open with this and I'll close with it. D, you can come. In Ephesians 6, 4, you know, we read that passage. And when it says that fathers are not to provoke your children to anger, uh, but we are to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nurture means the correction or the education or the instruction. Admonition, admonition means the warning or the calling to attention by a mild rebuke. That's what the word means. Bring our children up to know that. They need to see you giving heed to the Word of God. Dads, they need to see you loving the Lord and, and worshiping the Lord and being passionate about the Lord. Even if you say that's not my personality, let it be your personality for the Lord. Amen? Let it be your personality for the Lord. Crying out to God like that. He's going to help us. And I would say, I'm going to do something just a little different this morning. I want to invite our dads to come to the altar and pray. And I would and, and the rest of the church to, to pray over them. In other words, men, if you would just come and begin to pray and to ask the Lord to make you the man of God, the Father of God He's called you to be, and our church would just come around you to stand behind them if you want to put their hands upon, upon them and just pray. And just pray for the fathers in this church. There's a lot that comes against fathers and mothers. There are many things that are, are sinful things that come against and there's many things that are just uh, benign in, in themselves. They're just daily things and cares of this world that come against fathers that try to undermine our fathers from being the fathers that the Lord's called us to be. And I just want to pray for God's strength for them. So men, if you would come, and you, know, you just pray. You take your time. We're not going to bother our fathers. But I mean, as you're just praying at these altars and seeking the Lord, and after they're up here, maybe you just want to stand behind them and stand up here at the front. And I want to pray over these men. They have quite a responsibility, as do our mothers as well. Let's come up and just stand behind them, pray over them.